Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now, here's Phil. Special episode. It's about first principles. So I was talking to a buddy of mine. It's funny. I talk to a lot of my friends about money all the time. Uh, I, uh, I, don't, I don't, you know, anyway. Uh, and we were talking about, what did he what did, what did ask me? Um, oh, we were talking about, the internet and how do you decipher uh, good information over bad information on the internet because there's just so much information on the internet right kind of echoes a a twitter post i did today uh, which said something to the effect of the good thing about the internet is everyone has a voice the bad thing about the internet is everyone has a voice and and understanding first principles helps you decipher good information from the bad and um, and so when I when I talk about first principles, you want to think about first principles like like the ABCs. And so we grew up here in in the U.S. I know I have international listeners, but here in the in the U.S. and <laughs> I don't explain to you all if y'all are listening because I only do the show in English. But we learned the ABCs, which is about twenty six letters, and from those twenty six letters we can put together seemingly an infinite infinite amount of sentences, paragraphs um, to communicate different things that we want to communicate. And, but it all comes from 26 letters. And if you understand those 26 letters, then you can understand and learn just about anything in the language because you you know how to read and write it and, and consume that information. And so the universe has certain building blocks that it uses that are, to, to to everybody else builds every, builds other things on top of and so uh and and you know there's universal universal first principles and then there's first principles that apply specifically uh to different industries so let's use an example uh of, of a first principle that um you know that uh um that i learned uh growing up right and, and by you know most of the major religions, all the major religions, incorporate all the first principles into their into their stories. Teach it, uh, teach it to the um, to the uh, followers. And um, you know, one of those principles from from the Bible again, which is I'm, I don't I don't know the story from the other religion, but I do know it from the Bible. Is a, a rich man builds house on a uh, rock, poor man builds house on sand. And what that's basically saying is similar to what I'm saying. Like you know, build whatever you're building on solid ground don't don't skip past it that typically is the boring stuff it takes a little bit of time to build a solid foundation on something um, but if you build it with a shaky foundation and then you hit hard times it it will crumble and so uh it's funny that 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 principle kind of encompasses the importance of uh, uh understanding true knowledge by the way that parable of principle can be used for a lot of different things. And that's what I mean by some of this is universal. Some of it can be applied to specific uh, um, uh, specific areas, right? And 
to, to give another example, the people wonder how Elon Musk created basically three huge companies, SpaceX, uh, Tesla, and the other one that like does tubes to the ground or whatever. Um, because he's a he's an expert at learning like first principles. Like once you know first principles, you can apply that to different uh, different disciplines, different things in life. And so I, I want to go over and share some some first principles of investing that I've learned over the years. There's lots of them, right? And I just started listing out the ones that came to my head immediately. I'm, I'm sure there's others. And I want to use this podcast as a way to kind of capture some of those first principles and get them out of my head um, and out of the pages of all the notebooks that I filled up over the last uh, almost two decades of, uh, of studying and stuff like this. Yeah, 2002 college finance yeah almost two decades and so um so for, for first one is uh the the biggest driver of movements of assets investments the two biggest drivers are growth and inflation expectations right if if growth is expected to be um at a, at a, at a lower level and it su supersedes that it moves certain asset classes a certain way, right? And vice versa, same with inflation. And so understanding those, what asset classes, those two growth and inflation drives is really important to learning how to build an investment portfolio. I wanna give you a specific example. And it's the same example that I keep, that I've given for my five-year economic view. When you have a situation with uh, low inflation, um, I'm sorry, when you have an environment where there is um, uh, slow growth, right? Um, and let me also delineate because when, you know, when you say inflation, there's, there's money to basement and then there's actually like inflation from, uh, from lots of growth, right? And, 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 and so that's one of the nuances that you want to understand. But over the next five years, we have an, we have an environment where uh, we're going to have low interest rates uh, because inflation on average is going to be, you know, relatively, uh, relatively low um, from an expectation standpoint. Um, and then growth is likely going to be relatively low. And so that puts you in an environment where you want to own, oh, but there's going to be lots of money printing. And so that puts you in, in a position where you want to own uh, innovation stocks, you want to own uh, hard currencies, hard assets because of the money printing, that's real estate, uh, metals, um, Bitcoin, which is the hardest asset out there at the current moment. And, uh, and, and, and so, so you, so you have that environment, right? Um, but that's an example, growth and inflation drives biggest, the big trends. Uh, and, and, going back to first principles you can actually go look at different time periods and study it and say hey was overgrow slow was fast what did well and you'll see the same patterns like in you know in, in high growth environments just about everything does well right um and uh, uh you know high you know high inflation environments or, or and or lots of money printing people tend to want uh hard assets um, um more right uh, high growth loan. Anyway, I don't want to go into all that. We're sticking to first principles. Second, uh, first principles of investing is asset allocation or what asset class you decide, 
what asset class and how much money you put into the asset class is a lot more important than trying to time the market and select the best investment within an asset class. That's where you get the majority of your return. So for example, there are lots of people that are fooling around with, um, you know, trying to figure out if they want to own uh, Apple stock or Tesla stock or a uh, GM stock. And the thing that you just want to, if, if, if you're investing in the stocks, what you want to do is go back to the first principle. What are the growth and inflation expectations? What asset class do well in that environment? Eliminate the stocks that don't do well and own and own the stocks that do do well in that environment. So in this example, you would be like, cool, let me make, let me make my stock portfolio. If I want to shoot for the, you know, high returns, I want to own, you know, in this environment, uh, innovation stocks. So that's going to be things like, um, you know, Shopify, Amazon, Facebook, these are companies that we own uh, in, in our strategy. Uh, those types of stocks, you also might want to own some, uh, since crypto is a new industry uh, innovation, you want to own, you know, some, some, some well-known crypt Bitcoin, crypto miners, some uh, brokerages, um, companies that are involved in the crypto space. And so, and you can, you can, you can buy ETFs that own a basket of those companies. So even, so if you don't know which ones are good, just own the basket. And just by doing that, you're going to, you very likely will outperform everybody else trying to select the best uh, stocks within an environment and try to time themselves in and out of it, right? So asset allocation is greater than timing and selection. Third principle is emotional intelligence, EQ, is greater than IQ when it comes to investments uh, because, you know, there's a lot of people who built amazing portfolios that didn't really know much but they just took a boring approach of saying, hey, I understand asset allocation, so I'm going to own more stocks and bonds because I have a long-term time frame and I want to um, try to earn as much as I can. And then they put as much money away as they could, which is emotionally difficult, right? Because you have to forego some consumption for today. So they uh, restrained their emotions and saved money. And then they uh, uh, did not get scared out of their stocks when the market dropped and the world seemed like it was going crazy. They just kept dollar cost averaging into their portfolio over the long term and built significant wealth in the stock market, a, significant, a lot more than people who are trying to, uh, you know, build a portfolio through day trading by timing and, you know, timing and selection uh, and trying to rely on IQ because the, the reality is there's, always somebody who's going to be smarter than you in the market. So if you're relying on making money through IQ, uh, that's real tough. There, there are not a lot of people who are emotionally built to deal with volatility in the market. And that becomes a real advantage for the ones who embrace it. Um, number four, there's nothing new under the sun, just old ideas wrapped in new packages. And so this goes with where you, when you look at my investment theme of, understanding that we 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 go in kind of 100 year new world orders we uh organize our economy around money energy transportation commerce and healthcare and those you know those are time tested kind of areas that we organize organize around and in the economy 
but we we wrapped them around new new wrappers. So you know, in the 1900s, we went from using whale oil and kerosene um, uh, to light homes to electricity. We went from horse and buggies for transportation to automobiles. Right? You fast forward to today. Uh, we're moving from fossil fuels to uh, renewable energy, and we are moving from uh, get uh, from from us driving vehicles to eventually driverless electric uh, vehicles over time. So nothing new under the sun. You just want to pay attention uh, to history so you can see the trend emerging, and it gives you big opportunities for the new trend. Um, principle next principle: governments always eventually default or inflate their debt away. So one thing is human do is we like, you know, part of why if you look in religious uh, uh, history and, and, and philosophy, uh, specifically let's go to the, you know, Bible and, and, and Jewish religion, um, talks about the year of Jubilee, which is basically forgiven uh, debts um, every 49 years. And that's because humans, we, you know, we run up debt, right? One generation will run up debt and, and, and stick it to the, or pass it along to the other generation and make them slaves to the debt. So your Jubilee uh, allows us to avoid that. But since we, since we don't actually practice it, um, um, you know, what ends up happening is uh, uh, economies run up debt shouldered by the government which is how people, how we organize ourselves in modern history. And, um, you know, which, which um, I mean, people save money in government debt, right? So savings accounts are, uh, and bonds are. And what, what happens at the end of that cycle is in order to, since we don't do the year of Jubilee, the governments have to either uh, print a lot of money to pay back the money in worthless money, or they default, right? And that happens to study the history over and over and over again. And understanding that, again, gives you insight into uh, how to position your assets towards the end of that cycle. Next principle, uh, uh, decentralization is greater than centralization. And what I mean by that, like money, money, when, when you have a centralized organization or centralized uh, centrally planned economy, it it's shifts towards a few people making decisions for everybody versus decentralized where the people get to make the decisions. So if you look at the history of the world, money flows to the most decentralized places. Think about, it. I mean, if you look at today, and you got look at history, look at today, a lot of wealth is in Switzerland because Switzerland is a decentralized economy. Most people in Switzerland don't, don't even know who the president is. It's just a bunch of decentralized, I think they're called like cantons or something like that. I don't remember the actual name, but the power is distributed in decentralized basis, right? America attracted a lot of money from the centralized Europe, which had kings and it built America into America. So uh, the you look at what um, uh, happened in commerce, right? You had centralized buyers at Walmart that got to dictate which businesses got to put their stuff on a shelf to access Walmart customers to Amazon, where it decentralized it and allowed everybody to list what they wanted, and the algorithm, you know, would uh, basically would let the market decide what they wanted to see, what they wanted to buy, because it learns what you like and shows it to you. And so, decentralization is greater than centralization, 
when it comes. And, and so understanding that you can, you can know, kind of understand where money will flow to over time. Open systems be closed systems. Because right? open systems, an open system is kind of a form of, of, of leverage, right? An open system is um, uh, allowing people to connect to and work on your system that does not work for your organization. Um, and, and, and there's different levels of openness, but I'm talking relative open and, open and relative closed system. Again, America is a open economy. We're open to do business in the free market around the world. Uh, Russia was a um, relatively closed economy, communist Russia, uh, and so we beat them in the Cold War. Um, another another business example is you think of, um, what's an example? You know, Apple's an example of a, a iOS being an open operating system that allowed developers to build on top of it, um, build different apps and different things on top of it, very open system. Um, and so they were able to build apps in the app store and attract people to the iPhone and that helped iPhone sales. So open, open the, and, and you, you, you look at what's happening with uh, Bitcoin and lightning network. Um, if you want to uh, transfer money from place to place, right. Then you can even use internally. If you, if, if somebody has cash app and other person has Venmo, those are closed systems that can't talk to each other. But if you look at the Lightning Network, as long as you have a Lightning wallet, it doesn't matter which Lightning wallet you, you have. Um, if the Lightning wallet, if you have a Lightning wallet, it means connected to the Lightning system and you can send money to anybody with a Lightning address anywhere in the world for a super, 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 super low cost. And so you see the adoption of Lightning globally over what, you know, Western Union and, and, and Venmo and all that kind of stuff happening at a, at a extremely fast pace. Um, next one is transparency, right? Transparency is greater than secrecy. So again, money flows to the most transparent system, not a secret system. Money does not like to be lied to or tricked. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, scarcity is greater than something that's diluted. And so if you, if you, if you own assets, you want to own scarce assets, right? So the, um, I like to use the analogy of, of um, you know, you're going to a party in college and, um, you know, assuming you go to a party and, um, you know, uh, let me, yeah, going to a party and there, there are, assuming everybody's heterosexual, right? There's more men than women, right? The women are the most valuable, uh, uh, sex at that party because supply and demand there's less of them there's they're more scarce right and the, the more men that come into the party and they're still the same amount of women the more valuable the women become because there's there's less of them right and the men become less valuable because there's more of them that's an example of dilution the women are scarce the women are the men that keep showing up are making the men on that side dilutive um, so scarcity is greater than Dilution. Think about that in asset terms. Again, you know, people people will say, <clears throat> you know, you look at gold and Bitcoin, two of the scarcest asset uh, on the planet, right? Bitcoin being scarcer than gold, and because gold is like one of the is the scarcest element on the element table, and Bitcoin was modeled after gold. And so, you'll hear people say, hey, you know, what is, you know, what is 
the dollar backed by nothing. It used to be backed by gold. The reason why it was backed by gold because gold was scarce. Um, and then Bitcoin is replacing gold uh, for people's scarce store of value, like the scarce, scarcest store of value when money print is getting out of control um, because it was created um, to be scarce. It's only going to be 21 million. Um, and so, um, again, and this can also apply to um, Facebook, right? Facebook's network has something like 2 billion people on it. Uh, that's a lot of people. And it's a scarce network because there's one, like there's one Facebook, you know, and it's the network. There's not, there's not, you know, we all are connecting on Facebook at that level. So that network is scarce, which makes the value of Facebook go up over time, despite being closed for, down for six hours for a day. We still can't go anywhere else and access all the people that we have uh, on that network. Uh, next principle is reflexivity, right? This is a deep one. I recommend everybody read uh, George Soros's book, The Alchemy of Finance. It was written a long time ago and it's pretty deep. He was a philosophical guy, but the point of it is, is human beings like we don't act rationally. As a matter of fact, um, things trend for a while on on false truths, right? So for example, you look at the, not the, the tech, the dot-com boom. Those who fully understood the dot-com boom um, uh, avoided some of the, uh, you know, companies that were being created just to be sold for a profit to the public. Um, you know, you had somebody like Jeff Bezos who executed well, who said, hey, look, we're gonna start with books, easy to sell books. We're, it's not ready to sell everything yet. We're gonna build a process and he built it right. And, and by the way, when a when black com crash happened, Amazon stock dropped like over 90%, but it survived. But a bunch of other ones didn't survive because they were not executing and operating um, properly. But where I'm going with it is, there was a lot of folks that were participating in that bubble and they didn't understand um, how the internet worked. But, the, but those who did, who saw truth were able to, um, you know, buy the right, few smaller out of mic, right companies and, uh, and make money over time, i.e. the Amazon shareholders or the folks that um, were maybe doing venture capital, investing in um, things like Google. Um, you, all, you also had another example of a period of time is whenever we had people flipping homes flipping with, with, with terrible credit and no money down, right? Being way too over leveraged before the 08 crash. It, it, so, you know, it, that was not sustainable because even though people were making money, that's just not, first principles, that's, that's just, that's not truth. Like you can't do that into the future. Um, and those who were responsible and borrow responsibly had plenty of cushion. Maybe they didn't make as much money as people that were making that were doing it irresponsibly leading up to it, but they were, they survived and they gobbled up those properties. Uh, they had a long time to do it because the market was depressed for a while and made a fortune on, it, on, the, on the next come up. And so, you know, refl reflexivity is understanding first principles and truth, right? And then um, uh, betting accordingly, right? By the way, when you read the book, he talks about being able to uh, participate if, if you want to in the insanity, as long as you know this insanity and if you can spot when the insanity is gonna stop uh, and, and get out. Now, I don't, most people aren't good at that. So I like to just find truth. And when there's a solution uh, for, the, you know, for the madness, just bet on that and just be patient. Going back to 
uh, emotional intelligence is greater than uh, IQ, EQ better than IQ. Next one, networks, networks effects are extremely powerful and a good way to make, you know, uh, make money in investing because um, networks effects are a form of leverage. Going back to Facebook, Facebook is great because it has a strong network. Amazon is great because it has a strong network of buyers and sellers. Um, you know, Square is great because it has a great network of businesses who operate on Square and customers um, who, you know, who, uh, who use Cash App. Um, um, you know, money is a network, right? Language is a network. If, if, not, if, if most people, if everybody didn't speak English in the U.S., it would be hard to do anything. But since we do, like, it's hard to have a second language. Um, again, money is the same way, right? Since the dollar is a reserve currency and taken everywhere because everybody takes the dollars, right? It's kind of, and it forms a loop. Um, so network effects are powerful in investing. Um, you, next is you don't have to predict the future. You have to just understand first principles, bet on a clear winner to the solution, that's the truth, and then be patient, EQ. 13, the, the longer the time frame, the higher the odds of being right. So the reason why it's tough to day trade, I'm an odds guy. Um, day trading is difficult and next to, if next to impossible to win against the folks with billions of dollars of machines or hundreds of millions of dollars worth of quick machines that you're playing against in the short term. Because um, you are playing a iq game in the short term but you're playing an iq game against like computers so that's like trying to out calculate a calculator it's not going to work uh long term um and but but what happens over the long term you make money over and i say long term i mean like just five-year basis right um if, if you have a five-year time frame most people in the market don't most people are impatient. Most hedge funds are trying to make money quarter to quarter because they have redemptions. Um, most retail investors are day trading short term. Um, uh, and that's, that's a bunch of the market participants. So you can put your, you can be in a league of your own if you say, hey, I got a five-year time frame on how the world works based on first principles and bet accordingly. Let me wait. And what happens is when you look at the research, the, the longer the time period, um, the, 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 the uh, again, assuming that you build your investment process around first principles, the, the, the more likely you are to, to be right. Because in the short term, the market makes noise, right? So Facebook can be down 5% in one day. But if Facebook is consistently growing their earnings at 40% a year, you know, for five, five years, so if they grow it at 40% a year for the next five years, then that stock is going to likely have grown somewhere around 40% a year for the next five years. It's like The stock follows the earnings over the long term. In the short term, it's short-term trading based on trying to trade the news or whatever, but over the long term, uh, it, follows, it follows the earnings. Um, next one is look for one-foot hurdles. Don't overstress yourself out. Like if, you, if you own something and you don't have high conviction because you don't, you don't fully understand it, it's maybe too hard or you're just not there yet, Sell it. There's a you can make a lot of money like not knowing 99 percent of the stuff that's out there to invest in. You can make a lot of money uh, doing that. So you don't have to know everything. You only got to know what you know, and then and really, really know it, 
and you can make, you know, you have the potential to make a lot of money in the stock market or investing period, not just in the stock market. Um, next one, diversification is the key to protecting your wealth. Diversification is a bargain uh, with, with, with the universe, with God saying, hey, I know I'm not gonna make a killing through diversifying, but I'm also not gonna get killed. Right? It's a good way to protect your wealth. The next one though, is if you're trying to build wealth, concentration is how to make big money. It's kind of the reverse. If you're trying to make money, concentration, if you're right and you own a lot of it, it's a big proportion of your money, you can really come up. But if you're wrong, you can lose a lot. And so it just depends on where you are. I, I recommend just about everybody to have two portfolios, right? A concentrated one if you're trying to make lots of money and a diversified one to protect what you have um, until you know you have enough money to where you only maybe want to think about uh, protection, which is diversification. So these are a few first principles that are just really important to learn. You've probably heard these themes throughout the 400 plus episodes I've put on the podcast. Um, you know, they are a part of my heart, my soul, my DNA. Uh, I, there's plenty of others out there. Uh, I, you know, hey, I just got to sit down and take some time and write them out. But B, I didn't want to bore you with a two-hour podcast on just principles. I just wanted to uh, share some of the ones I think that are most important that I think will help you out the most. Uh, but though, and, and those who are listening, like you might listen and you might go, you might overlook the importance of this, and you might think that uh, maybe some course that you took that teaches you about the 200-day moving average uh, is going to be more valuable. Trust me, like these principles, put them in your heart. Um, these principles are, are, are a game changer and will separate you from the pack if you own them, learn them, and execute them appropriately. Uh, it's far more valuable than whatever folks be paying for these uh, uh, trading courses. So share this with a friend, share it with five, share it with 10. Let me know on Twitter, you shared it, ask underscore Philip or shoot me an email. I appreciate it. If you have not given me a review on Apple Podcasts, that's how you listen, which most of you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do. It helps my ranking a ton, uh, which helps me get more information out to the world, which makes me feel good about myself, which makes me want to do more of this, which brings in like more clients for uh, Stonehill Wealth Management, who powers the podcast. Um, and it's a self-reinforcing cycle. So uh, until tomorrow, Enjoy your day.